Hi, I'm Tom Hansen. And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey. In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking to Lee Camping Carter. She is an author, editor, reporter who works in journalism. She lives in Brooklyn, New York, and she is an adult living with CHD. She founded and she actively writes in a newsletter called The Heart Dialogues. And the link to all of her content is below, so make sure you check that out because she gives such a great and unique and valuable perspective on the CHD community and experience. Yeah, I think you and I both walked away from our conversation with her feeling like we gained a whole new perspective on living with CHD and what that's like. And what I really enjoy about the things she has to share is that they are, they're vulnerable, uh, but they're so thoughtful. And I just gained so much empathy from reading her newsletter. It's just a good reminder to me that the experience with CHD is a complex one Mm -hmm. and it is not the same for everyone. There's not, everyone does not, you know, there's no one heart condition that's exactly alike, you know, but there's also no experience with CHD that's exactly alike. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we incorporate different voices and different perspectives, the better we can connect and serve and live with this and conquer this or, or heal this, whatever it is. And and I, I just was very struck by her perspective and being one of the most valuable and unique ones that, that we've encountered on this podcast. And so I, it was a great conversation, but also her content is really great as well. Yeah, she's a fantastic writer. You're really going to enjoy reading her newsletter and hearing what she has to say in today's episode. Absolutely. So let's jump to our conversation with Lee. Great. Lee Camping Carter, we are so excited to speak with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for folks who may not be very familiar with your background and experience, I'd love to just learn a little bit about you, learn about your story and your experience with CHD. Yeah. So I was born with a heart condition called tricuspid atresia, which is where the tricuspid valve, one of the valves in the heart, doesn't form. And so I also had, uh, I have only one ventricle. So the two main pumping chambers in the heart are called ventricles, and I only have one of those. So one of the single ventricle uh, condition. I had my first heart surgery when I was nine months, and then another one when I was two years old. And then I had the Fontan operation when I was almost four, which is, uh, you know, kind of the standard uh, procedure for someone with tricuspid atresia with single ventricle defects. And, um, and then I had a kind of corrective plastic surgery when I was eight years old. And for the most part, I have been good, you know, for afterwards. Um, I'm 39 now. The last few years, some things have been cropping up. Um, but pretty much that, that was the bulk of the scary stuff, at least so far, knock on wood. Um, and I'm also living in Brooklyn, and I'm a journalist and I'm the writer of the Heart Dialogues newsletter. You have a very impressive <laughs> pedigree. It's uh, 
Yes, I have to confess that after she read your qualifications, I did audibly say "ooh la la." So <laughs> I hope, and I hope that it, that's meant in the in the best, most flattering way possible. Uh, but yeah, so well. yeah, you do have a very impressive set of experiences. Um, so you, could you talk about like I guess maybe your schooling, your background, and things like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and did undergrad in Vancouver, BC in Canada. Um, and then I came to New York in 2007 to do grad school at NYU and got a job. Um, yeah, I, I graduated uh, three months before Lehman Brothers collapsed and the whole economy went wow. to the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, so struggled to find a job, but landed a job as a reporter for Legal Newswire. Um, I had studied cultural reporting and criticism in uh, grad school, but started reporting on lawsuits and federal regulations and things like that. And I covered real estate for a number of years and then landed um, the publication where I am now, which is a big U.S. paper. Uh, I've been there for about eight years, and I'm currently running the newsletters team there. And you're an excellent writer, by the way. Yeah. I've yeah. read a lot of your your stuff. We, we've found that just jumping into some of your your content and your writing, you have such a unique perspective on, on uh, someone who's living with a, a heart condition, who's had the experiences that you had. And um, Kat and I, we, we were honestly a little we were so excited to talk to you because i think you have such a um uh a powerful and unique voice in there and um, we've just been really excited to to unpack some of those perspectives with you a little. well thank you very much <laughs> um yeah. i mean that's really great to hear yeah i think you know one of the reasons i started the newsletter is i think a lot of the stories that you hear that you read in the news when there is any mention of someone who's born with you know a complex heart defect. Um, I think you get these stories of triumph, which are, yes. you know, relatively simplistic, you know, uh, someone has a surgery and then everything's great. Or there are these stories of tragedy where you hear about, you know, the worst outcomes or the worst experiences people have. And I think there is so much other stuff in between. Um, there's so many nuances, you know, there's both uh, ways that this has enriched my life and ways that it has made it really difficult. And mm -hmm. I want to explore all of that. Um, and then I think also, you know, we, the, you know, not surprisingly, we talk a lot about the medical stuff. You know, I introduce myself by telling you about all the surgeries I've had, which is mm -hmm. a pretty common way that people in this community talk about themselves. Right. Yeah. But there are many ways that this, uh, you know, growing up with a complex heart defect, there are many ways that it um, it bleeds out into every aspect of your life. You know, there's things where, like, it affects parts of my life that have nothing to do with the medical stuff, mm -hmm. nothing to do with procedures or doctors. Uh, again, you know, for good and bad. Um, so that that's sort of the thinking behind the newsletter and kind of what I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah, I think that's something that we've wrestled with as parents is, like, you know, what kind of identity that this experience puts on someone. And I think one of the perspectives that I took from, uh, from the things that you wrote was like, sometimes the identities that we're giving to people living with complex heart conditions or, or what have you is more for, I guess, the comfort of us as parents, or maybe as for 
doctors, the community, the community yeah. not necessarily, you know, the, the person. Um, and, and it, and it, you know, and I'm, I would love to hear your perspective on that. Do you feel like that that's something that you've experienced that people kind of projecting an identity on you versus like maybe coming to you and I'm, I'm not sure, like discovering what that identity would be from you? I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure that people do have that. I think for me, it really wasn't part of my identity for a long time. Mm. Um, you know, I went to the hospital once a year for a bunch of tests, but I was fine. You know, I didn't really, you know, there were a couple things here and there, but um, I didn't talk about it a lot. My family didn't really talk about it. And so there wasn't really an identity related to having a heart condition. Mm. And, um, and then I think when I started getting more involved in the community, it's really understandable. I want to make clear that I'm not criticizing this because I think these narratives and whatever have to exist and I think they should, and that's fine. But I do think that, yeah, there is a little bit of like the way we talk about this stuff is kind of narrow. And so those identities are maybe, they're not necessarily about all the nuances and all the weird stuff and great stuff and terrible stuff. It, it, it is sort of this smoothed over idea of maybe who you are, or how you tell your story. I think that's so true. Uh, and something that, that comes across in your in your newsletter really well is that like you guys are whole people (laughs) with like you know you're not just one thing you are many things and like you said like everything like crosses over into the other thing you know like we are all complex people right and something that you said that really stuck with me just as a parent and made me think a lot about our son Harding and his experience if you don't mind I'm gonna quote you does a warrior ever have a off day do heroes get to decide which crusades they undertake doesn't survivor mean the bad thing is in the past to call me brave means that i must be brave even when i'm scared to call me strong means that i can never falter to call me a miracle is a hell of a lot of pressure these words say more about the person who uses them and what they want me to be then they help me describe my own experience. Uh, this is from a part in your newsletter called Don't Call Me a Warrior. And I think that that's such an interesting perspective that I had never thought about, that like the terms that we so easily use or commonly, frequently use in the heart community, like how does that make people with CHD feel? As a part of this podcast, we always ask, like, what do you want to be referred to as? And a lot of people say, you know, warrior's fine, survivor's fine. You know, they'll just kind of default to those words. But I never really thought deeply about, like, how those words could, like, put pressure on you or box you in or, like you said, streamline the experience a little bit too much and not be a realistic reflection of what it is that you guys go through or even not necessarily what you want to be only seen as or seen as at all. And so it made me think about that, like, not every person with CHD wants it to be a part of their identity. I'm not saying that this is what you were saying. I'm just saying, like, this is what it made me think about. Maybe not every person wants that to be a part of their identity. Maybe some would rather be known as the characteristics about themselves that they enjoy the most. (laughs) You know, not this thing that carries 
a lot of trauma or carries a lot of baggage with it, you know? And the other thing it made me think about is a lot of people with CHD probably struggle with being reminded of, or, or they struggle with the relationship that they have with their heart, the relationship they have with their body and how it all functions and, and feeling like, I think one of the things you had said, like, sometimes I'm like mad at my heart, you know, and, and for the way that it functions or, I don't know, it, it, it just made me think so much more about like, if I were in their shoes, you know, if I was in my son Harding's shoes, like, and I was the one that was truly experiencing all the things that he's experiencing, like, how would I feel about these words that are being used to describe me? How would I feel about people calling me a warrior or a hero or, or those things? And, and then how would I feel about my body? You know, I would think there's a whole another part of this that's like being a woman and, and having CHD and like, how does that play into everything? And like the nuances of being a woman and having a chronic illness and like, yeah, like the nuance of being a woman and having a CHD and having CHD and how that would impact the experience even more. Sorry, those were just all my thoughts. And you, <laughs> you made me think a lot. And I think that that's like something that's really cool about your newsletter is that it is really, really thought provoking. So we'd like to take a quick break from our conversation with Lee to talk about our book, Hope and Courage, Six Life Lessons from the Parents of a Child with Congenital Heart Disease. Our book came out in 2022, and since then, it's just been great to see how well-received it is by the CHD community and how helpful it's been to parents of children with congenital heart disease or caregivers of children with CHD. And, you know, the opportunity to share our story and, and Harding's experience is really valuable for us and, and how we are processing it still. But what we love is the opportunity to help. We love hearing how it's helping people in the CHD community. Yeah, and that's something we talk about a lot is a lot of the content that you uh, see in this space, you know, particularly for parents of children with congenital heart disease, a lot of it is very memoir-based. It's mm -hmm. just kind of like people processing their story, and there's definitely a place for that. But for us, we, we did want to share our story, but we also wanted to share what we learned what we wish we knew in the beginning, and uh, and we are very proud of, of, of the book, and we believe it could really help a lot of people out there. So if you are a parent uh, going through this journey, just know that you're not alone, and this could be a resource that could help you. Um, but also, if you are a family member of someone going through this or just someone in the community, it's a, it's a great um, resource, and we hope that it would add a lot of value to you as well. Yeah, every chapter, you know, you're going to hear a little bit of our story. You're going to hear some reflections that we have about that and what we learned from it, our life lesson that we took away from that experience. You're going to get uh, a section of helpful advice and reflection questions that are really good. So make sure you go check it out. You can get it on Amazon or at our website, TomandKatHanson.com. Great. Let's, uh, let's get back to our conversation with Lee. Thank you for like engaging so much with it and thinking about it. Like I, that makes me feel like, what I'm working on is worth doing. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I think the, the basis for that essay was really, you know, that idea of the heart warrior kind of crops up a lot. 
And, you know, I think a lot of people do identify with that. And if someone wants to call themselves a heart warrior, that's totally fine. Um, everyone should call themselves what they want. But yeah, I think for me, it just, it always made me cringe. And I think that was sort of the basis for the essay is like, why, why does this make me cringe? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's this word that makes what I've gone through simple and has this sort of tidied up end to it, you know, whereas like what I'm living is actually just way more complicated than that. And, you know, and I think it also sort of feeds into, um, Like when I was a kid, when I had my Fontan operation, that was, you know, doctors told me and my family that I was fixed and I would have to have checkups and make sure nothing went wrong, but that I was fixed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reality, and I'm not the first person to say this at all, but is that, you know, as more kids with complex heart conditions grow up and survive into their 40s and 60s and beyond, you know, we do see a lot of other issues come up later in life. And I think, so, yeah, I never grew up thinking that I have a chronic illness. You know, I thought it was sort of all in the past. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that it's not. But also the reality is that it's something that I can live with and still have a full life. And so, yeah, there's just so many layers to it. And I think, I think the word survivor or hero or warrior kind of has this idea that, you know, that, that you came through something, it's in the past and you're strong and great and, you know, everything is perfect. Um, And, you know, and it's just, it's just more complicated than that. Yeah, we, we had like a, a, a kind of a small moment with that where, I do feel, I feel like that's something we've heard is that in the past, maybe doctors weren't great about setting appropriate expectations, maybe saying like, we fixed, you know, and then when, when it's not quote unquote, fit. like for, for us, I feel like that experience was a little different for our son. I mean, they, they were very careful to say like, this isn't fixing, we are redesigning, you know, we are building it in a whole different way. This isn't just, there's not a fix, you know. Um, but I know when, when Harding was in school, there was like a moment where his teacher uh, kind of came to us and just said, hey, you know, Harding was talking about his condition a lot. And, and it just seemed like she just said, hey, just just make sure that he knows that there are lots of things that make him special, not just his heart. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was like kind of a cue for us. And I, that's what I really I think what was so provoking about your message was just, I'm like, man, I wonder how much of like him you know that was like something i'm giving him for my own coping Mm -hmm. you know of 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 dealing with his experience and being his parent in that Mm -hmm. you know and that's why i was wondering how much of this is is truly kind of hey i'm trying to cope with it like that we can't overcame something and survived and putting on you and so you felt like those those kind of like it wasn't a part of your childhood was there a point where maybe these labels started coming in and when was that well i think when I started getting more involved with it was a moment in June, 2020, when I landed in the emergency room with a bunch of blood clots in my leg and which, you know, were very likely related to my heart. Yeah. And I think that sort of set me on this path of, I, I think, you know, when I got out of the hospital, I mean, for anyone, that's an unpleasant experience. And it was early in the pandemic and I couldn't have any visitors and, mm. you know, no one is going to come out of that and just 
chipper and perky and whatever. But yeah. I think it, but it was so, um, it affected me so deeply that it made me start to think about, you know, why, why is this so like charged for me? And why is it so hard for me to talk about this and, and that kind of thing? And, and I started to really unpack, you know, so I guess some of the things that had happened to me when I was a kid, you know, like the surgeries and things like that, which I had just, you know, I would talk about occasionally, but I really, I don't know, I didn't have a full understanding of sort of how much that had affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of led me to, you know, go to an, a fundraising walk that the Adult Congenital Heart Association does. Um, and then I actually started meeting people who also have heart con- congenital heart conditions, which I had never met anyone who had one until I was like 36, 37. Mm. Um, and yeah, it sort of blossomed from there. Um, I started writing about it and then, you know, I, and then I launched the newsletter and it's just sort of grown and grown. It definitely seems like obviously your career and background was in writing um, as like a profession, obviously. So it's something you've been passionate about and interested in, obviously, for a long time. But what was that shift for you that that made you want to write about this specifically? I don't know that there was really a moment. I've been working at this newspaper for a number of years. And while that is fantastic in that I get to work with words every day, I'm not really doing any creative writing as part of my job. Mm. And so even though I had been a writer and had writing be sort of part of my identity for my whole life, there were years that went by where I wasn't writing. And I think sort of in parallel to this, um, you know, opening up of my CHD identity, I sort of went back to the writing and yeah, like actually started writing again for the first time in years. And the two just sort of smushed together. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Would yeah. you say it's kind of like therapeutic for you? Yes and no. I mean, I do feel like it really helps me unload what I'm thinking onto the page. And then it sort of takes that away from like swirling around in my brain. Mm-hmm. But I really don't want this to be like a journal entry or, you know, to have it just mm-hmm. be therapeutic. I, yeah. I'm writing this for readers you know for other people not just yeah. for myself yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah i think we had a similar experience of mm-hmm. you know yeah. we you know we were you know writing and doing our stuff like it is actually helpful for us to process through it and i'd encourage anyone to process it's very helpful to go through that but for us i think it was also just like man we really want to make a mark and make a difference and prove help someone else if you know if our experience can add value to someone else that was something that we really cared a lot about like when you when you imagine you know the intended audience or maybe like your intended impact in in your writing uh what comes to mind yeah i think a big part of it is community so Hmm. i think there are really great organizations you know raising money um advocating in Washington, D.C., you know, doing all those kinds of pieces. There's, you know, conducting research, all that kind of stuff. And I think there's less, there are fewer spaces for people to kind of be in community with each other Mm -hmm. and to sort of feel like, oh, hey, I'm not the only one out there. Um, There are some for sure. Um, But so, yeah, I think 
that's sort of what I'm hoping to do with this, where people who, you know, haven't met other people with congenital heart conditions, you know, who can get the newsletter in their inbox and feel like, oh, my experience isn't totally out there or, oh, that person had a different experience than mine, but, you know, to sort of engage with that. And yeah, I felt like that was something that I could do like with my journalism background. And so have you uh, gotten any feedback and just what you've been putting out there? I think the most gratifying part has been people writing to me or leaving comments where they really do say like, I feel seen or I feel heard or, you know, or I, I have this like really rare, you know, issue and this person has it too. And, you know, I've gotten that kind of feedback, which is really great. You know, what you're doing is really, really great. When I think about the things that are being done now in the adult THD community, it makes me feel better about Harding and, and his adult experience later on in life and knowing that there are resources like your newsletter out there for him where he can read something and really connect to it and know that he's not alone like I think that it's such important work that you're doing and and not just for the current audience that you have but for future audience like this is evergreen content that you're creating and it's going to benefit many people I think for for years to come for sure thank you and I would say the same thing about this podcast I told my mom about it and she was just like oh my god if this had existed when you were a kid like game changer you know yeah yeah you know that was like before the internet so yeah it was nothing like that look at us no your content's great no your (laughs) content's great (laughs) everyone's content's great no that's that's super cool yeah, so you're you're working on uh, on the the newsletter and, and getting that out there, and so yeah, is there what's what's on the horizon or what what things are you tackling right now? Yeah, well, so this will be out. I think by the time this episode comes out, um, I am reporting out a patient guide for you know for adults with uh, congenital heart conditions to kind of make the most out of medical appointments. So you know, seeing mm. the cardiologist, but also like the echoes and all, all the kind of routine care that we get. And yeah, I, I don't think there's really anything else out there like that. If there is someone send me a note and tell me I'm wrong and I'll link to it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, I think kind of looking at the horizon, like I do a lot of Q and A's with people from the community. So continuing those conversations, definitely something I want to do. Um, but I also want to do some more in-depth pieces and, you know, really kind of think like, what, what is the resource that I wish I had and mm. call a bunch of people up and write it down and share it with people. So where can people find you? What are, what's your socials and email things you want people to know so they can contact you? Yeah, well, you can um, subscribe to the newsletter or look at the newsletter at theheartdialogues.com substack.com and if you want to get in touch with me very similar it's the heart dialogues at substack.com it's uh, email and then if you want to follow me on i guess it's called x now um, i'm at lee underscore kc so that's l-e-i-g-h underscore k-c um and i don't really do much other social media so 
that's Great. about it. <laughs> totally okay. Yeah, but I but I think it's you know I would encourage people to definitely you know obviously we have guests on and we encourage people to go check it out but i think you one i think being someone who who has a complex heart condition is is such a unique voice but then just your your skill set and ability to write and then your you have just such a great perspective that i think is much needed in the balance of things i Mm -hmm. love I love that you said like, yeah, there are a lot of narratives that are needed for lots of different reasons in this yeah. world, right? To, and, and for, you know, I think for us, we, you know, obviously we're driving into that hope and courage, but we also know there's just, there are a lot of other needs and narratives and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and perspectives and all those things. And, and I think you are bringing such a unique balance to that whole conversation. And so I would highly encourage people to, to check you out and, and follow you and, it definitely sounds like a lot of people are gravitating towards you. And, and I, I got to imagine that really brings you a lot of joy when someone says, gosh, I really feel heard and I really feel seen and just you sharing your perspective, which is so cool. Yeah. I mean, like hearing that from you is just feels, it's so gratifying because, you know, it, it feels so good to write something and to write about something that I care about and to have other people care about that. I mean, there's no better feeling. So one question we ask everybody before they leave is if you had a piece of advice that you could give to some CHD parents who just found out that their kid was diagnosed uh, with CHD, what would be your top piece of advice that you would want to share with them? I think it's important to leave space for your kid to experience this however they experience it. Mm. So I think there were things that left a huge impression on my mom that I don't even remember, right? Like all of my surgeries happened before I was even able to really build memories, let alone sort of express um, in sentences what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And those memories are so, so strong and powerful for her. Mm -hmm. And then there are things that I experienced, you know, as a 13 year old that are so powerful for me and for her, you know, like, being in an echo, like an echocardiogram as a 13 year old with, you know, no, you're sort of bare from the waist up. Mm -hmm. That to me was like such a powerful memory, but that's just sort of a routine test, you know, it's not painful. Um, And so, yeah, I think, so I think there's part of that, that sort of understanding that your kid is going to experience this in ways that might be very different from how you might think that it should be experienced or how you're experiencing it. Mm. And then I think, you know, as your kid gets older, that will change and evolve. You know, there might be times when it's not important to them and they want to, you know, be the soccer champ. And that's kind of the main thing. And then there are times when they might really need to talk about it or think about it a lot. And, you know, I think providing that space and that sort of acceptance and flexibility to kind of let your kid experience this, how they're going to go through it. I think Mm. that's really important. Yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting because it's like, I think my first reaction, that's incredible insight. And I, I thank you for sharing it. But my first reaction is just like, man, it feels like, you know, what, what we've found with, with CHD often is like some of the things that CF, CHD drives us to do are really the things that are true for anyone. And, and you know, it's like 
I like as I was listening to, it, I was like, I bet there's a lot of parents that just struggle with like understanding and accepting their children and listening and really discovering who they are and not projecting an idea on them. Right. I'm thinking of like varsity blues. Like I don't want your laugh, dad, you know, like, you know, it's just like, but, but it is so interesting how CHD it's like, you're still living all of the parent child dynamics. Like, you know, that's something we used to say is like, you know, yeah, like we still have, you know, we'd always call them like, we have some CHD issues, but we have normal kid issues too. You know, like normal kid issues don't disappear because, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, and, and it is interesting there about like, yeah, but it's just how like CHD kind of puts its own twist on that and, and like, you know, puts some of that in a pressure cooker or, or maybe highlights different things or the need, but, uh, but, but such a great encouragement. I think for any parent, but also, but, you know, definitely for student, for kids who are going through this stuff. And, and uh, yeah, you're right. It's so funny that you, the, the example you shared was really insightful because like from our end, we've done a hundred of those echoes. It's like, what's mm-hmm. the big deal? You know, but like, but you're sharing it like, oh my gosh, maybe for Harding or you, like that is a, right. such a different thing. Right. Right. And experiencing it as like, an infant versus experiencing it as a 13 year old is totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So good. So insightful. Yeah. Versus experiencing, you know, getting an echo for me today is like, right. Not a big deal. Right. <laughs> Back to that. So yeah. Just yeah. Changes. Now, on this podcast, if you've listened to pod episodes, you probably knew it was coming. It's called the bag of questions. And you, this is what I was most stressed out about. I I was going to say, I was going to say, she looks nervous. The listeners can't see the, the jubilation that's on your face uh, for for wanting to do this. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't see it. She's holding a sign that says, this is why I'm here to do the bag of questions. No, no, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Uh, And we have editing. So there we go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Great. What's your most unusual talent? I mean, I'm a really good copy editor. <laughs> okay. Very exciting. <laughs> but, like, I can pick up on typos like nothing. Um, they just jump out at me. Um, that's awesome. But that's not, <laughs> that's not exciting. But I need you in my life. Is <laughs> You know what's crazy? So bad at it's it. It's like when we uh, wrote our book, it was like, I would read a thing 50 times, yeah. no joke, 50 times. Yeah. And, uh, and then step, you know, get, feel like it's clean, sleep on it, come back with fresh eyes. And then immediately there'd be like, Oh, here we go. Like, uh, you know, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't use comma conjunction and this like between these two clauses, like, ah, you know, like I don't, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It is a talent. I mean, I'm like, it, yeah. it is crazy to me how, you know, Sometimes they can jump out at you. Sometimes it's like you're just completely blind. blind to them. Yeah. Here's another one. If you want to put this in, yeah. I'm I'm really good at remembering numbers. Oh. Like oh. Just random numbers. You know, like if someone says like, "Oh, we need," to, you know, we have 43 of this thing. Like it, it's just we'll stick in there, or like you know, birthdays and dates and things mm. like that. So at NYU, did you ever? walk into a classroom and there was a complex equation on the board and you you solved it and and you were like a secret genius that that they were that that happened or was that the plot of goodwill hunting uh, no the answer was 91 um, got it nailed it yeah very good that's amazing 
Good. Okay. Uh, here's an easy one. Are you a morning person or a night person? I think probably more a night person. I like it's hard for me to sleep in anymore, which sucks. But I think I'm still better at night than in the morning. Hmm. Same. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. Nope, not there. I'm a morning person. This dude will wake up at like 3 a.m. and just start getting stuff done. I no. The most ridiculous. People, thing. I like. I mean, sometimes <laughs> people will misconstrue it as like, um, you know, I'm pro- uh, highly productive, but I just like I. I don't sleep. I just don't sleep. I, I don't sleep in. I just never have. But what most people experience, I would have the grogginess and an inability to focus in the morning. I experienced that after 7.30 p.m. Like that's like, <laughs> like right now we're recording this and I'm shutting down inside. <laughs> uh, so like I am worthless. I don't go. I can't go to dinner parties. Yeah. We, we try to, we try oh, our man. best to condition our family and friends to like come over for breakfast, not dinner. Because because I can't entertain people at night. Because of him. There's been so many instances, Lee, where he starts falling asleep in the middle of a conversation with someone that is directly across from him because (laughs) it's nine o'clock at night. Like he's, his whole body just shuts down. It's the craziest thing. I think the, but we're all unique and beautiful in our own way. (laughs) And I'm feeling very Exactly. That's right. Okay. Uh, okay. Last question, and this is a this is a good one for you. Okay. So, if you were writing your autobiography, Ooh. what would the title be? You've had to thought the about heart, this one. The heart dialogue <laughs> is an easy one, so let's just move that. Yeah. One. You yeah. Can't that. I mean, maybe something with heart. The heart monologue. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to steal that. Um, maybe LKC, you know, a, a something story, um, a writer's journey. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think yours would be? Title of my autobiography? Oh, man. Now I feel like, is this how you feel, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the hardest questions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're putting people through. <laughs> I have to come up with an autobiography on the spot. <laughs> we're we're monsters. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. This would be mine. Okay. Mine will be mine would be every problem has a solution. Mm-hmm. Colon. I'll figure it out. <laughs> right? That was hundred percent I was talking to, I was talking yeah. to someone and I was like, Yeah. I just am a person that's just like I don't have to, I was like, I would just, I say it all the time. It's like, how are we going to get there? How are we going to do this? I'm like, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just start going and I'll figure it out. But it's, it's not a details oriented. <laughs> but it stems from an optimistic view of problem solving. You do. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are very useful to have around. Okay. So we're no longer monsters. This was a great exercise. <laughs> Thanks for including me in this. Uh, great. Well, thank you so much, Lee. It was such a joy to talk to you. And, uh, Again, I love your perspective. I want to keep uh, engaging in your content, encourage everyone to go check it out. And I think, especially if you are, you know, um, you know, living with a heart condition, I think it is a great, this is, this is an excellent, excellent place to go and get some great, um, great content. But I think this is great for parents and people that are supporting them too, just to be more empathetic and just mm-hmm. learn more and have that kind of authentic curiosity for their their family.
family member or friend or whatever it is. So, uh, so yeah, I thank you so much for what you're doing and, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And thank you so much for the kind words on the newsletter. I, I just so appreciate it. So listener, Tom and I struggle in this part of the podcast when we have to jump into the discussion of the conversation that we just had with whoever we interviewed. In this case, it was the wonderful Lee Camping Carter. But we struggle with the transition. Usually, what Tom loves to say is... What, Tom? Uh, I feel very attacked. <laughs> no, what what we have here is a situation where I have the greatest lead-in oh. that works every time mm-hmm. and that every did time. the listeners love. Okay. Man, that was great. I really think we should put out some t-shirts with that. Let's say, man, that was great. It's just, it just gets me hyped, gets them hyped. Yeah. It's a, it's a great lead in. It's a catchphrase. So, uh, that that was great. So, man, that was great. (laughs) Wouldn't we all agree that, man, that was great. But it really, really was. Uh, It was. Yeah. Lee is amazing. To borrow a phrase, man, that was great. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, so let's jump in. What stuck out to you most from the conversation? You know, I think what I really liked hearing from her, and, and we talked about it in the episode. I quoted the part of the article that I really liked, but from her newsletter where she talks about, uh, I think it's called Don't Call Me a Warrior. Mm-hmm. And just how she talks about the verbiage that we use in the CHD community just to describe people with CHD and how sometimes that can be kind of limiting to what they've really experienced it can be kind of it can put pressure on them Mm -hmm. um inadvertently and maybe it's a little self-serving maybe it just makes us feel better about what they're going through to use those phrases you know and i don't think i think it's important to know and she said it too like she's not trying to be negative Mm -hmm. about it she's just trying to say like there is a different perspective Mm-hmm. on those words that you should consider and and maybe even talk to the person in your life that has CHD and, and see how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think um, no one person is going to experience this the same way. And I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing I took from it, you know, one, it was just such a great perspective to hear. But I think as a parent, I'm thinking about with my son, with Harding, it's like, I wonder how much I'm coming to him with authentic curiosity sure and maybe trying to discover how he is processing this experience mm-hmm. whereas like some people might be in that warrior mindset and maybe that's very motivating for them and maybe that's very um you know that helps them cope with totally. it you know like that yep. hey we're fighting but maybe someone else just isn't and, and maybe that isn't someone that something that someone feels all the time. And maybe mm-hmm. someone else feels something different. And I think coming rather than just coming with a narrative to fit my, to our son in or other other CHD, uh, you know, uh, people living with CHD into. Maybe it's kind of coming and just listening and empathizing and, and mm-hmm. connecting and, and trying to discover their experience. Right. Exactly. I think that's really important. Like letting people define their own experience um through whatever they want to share and through whatever their story is you know um i certainly don't ever want to make harding feel that he 
has to always be brave or has to always be strong or be a warrior or be a hero or any of those things. You know, I want him to feel the freedom to be broken when he needs to be and, and to feel sad when he needs to feel sad and, and to struggle when he needs to struggle. Like all those things are also an, an important part of the CHD journey, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We said it in the interview and I'll say it again now. Please go check out her newsletter. It is really fantastic. I think you will gain a lot from it. It's so well written. I mean, she's a professional. <laughs> she writes for a living. so, uh, And you can tell that in her work that she puts a lot of time and effort and thought into what she's writing. But it's going to give you a, a unique perspective, you know, an experience outside of your own experience, um, outside of your child's experience. Or if you're also an adult living with CHD, you know, you'll you'll find an experience that's maybe different from yours. But you'll also find a lot of things that you can connect with and read it and maybe feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Like someone has felt that same thing that I'm feeling or has had that rare side effect that I thought I was alone in having, you know. I think the isolation is is really um, important to, to consider and to combat. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the more that we can get a diversity of voices and experiences out there, you know, understanding that not everyone is going to have um, the same experience, but someone just someone out there that having an experience that you can relate to or that you have something in common with, I think just this helps you. You know, I think as parents, we felt that isolation and in, in mm-hmm. our experience with Harding. And then, you know, I think before we, before Harding was diagnosed, I mean, we didn't know any, I mean, we just didn't think about it. We mm-hmm. weren't just, we just weren't aware of, of, you know, children, adults, families going through these, this experience. And then, you know, when we, get the diagnosis it's just it's shocking and you and you 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 feel alone and it, you know when you're kind of you have the you mourn the loss of your expectations and what you thought was going to happen and mm-hmm. with your life and your family and your kid um, but then you just start connecting and I love that her perspective on just like how important community is and mm-hmm. um, important it is to find people that can maybe lend a little voice or experience to you and you realize like, man, I'm not alone. There's a lot of people out there going through very similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are, are, you know, where I am. Some of them are, have, you know, solved problems or conquered things that I haven't yet and not, and you can learn from that. So I think it was just a good reminder of the importance of community to combat that isolation that you or, you know, someone might be feeling. Yeah, community is something you've probably heard us talk about at nauseum on this podcast. We say it almost every episode, I think, but it's only because it is so good for you. It is so good for you in, in helping you through your CHD journey or through your child's CHD journey. Um, and you can find community in a variety of different places. You know, I think, like you said, when you find out that you, that your family is going to go through the CHD journey. It isolates you from your current community. And that's hard. And you do grieve that loss. Um, but you can also plug into the CHD community. And it is a wonderful, welcoming place. Uh, and you can plug into it through a newsletter. You can mm-hmm. plug into it through listening to this podcast. Like There are many different ways to do it. 
uh, and then hopefully through that you can find some people to meet in person you know like um but again yeah it's so important and it's so good for you that's our episode for today thank you so much for listening in addition to this podcast we have lots of other resources to help support encourage and equip chd parents these can all be found at tomcathanson.com you can follow us at Tomcat Hansen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.